One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually... Actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie. Also from Quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from thirty dollars. You got washable silk tops, really stunning fourteen karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello, welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. No, but we're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Welcome to the show. Friendly reminder, you can visit our website, which is forever35podcast.com for links to everything we mention here. Our Twitter is at forever35pod. Our Instagram is at forever35podcast. And... You can join the Forever 35 Facebook group. The password to get in is serums. Don't forget that. Serums. And you can sign up for our newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. The next issue is going out next Thursday. And if you want to reach us, you can call or text us at 781-591-0390. And our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com. Dory? Yes, Kate. Do you remember once when we were on this podcast and you were talking about how you can buy like little gloves to wear to bed for your hands? I do. I do remember that. Well, I am now a bed I'm now wearing gloves to bed. <laughs> and go on. I look like I'm about to perform a mime 
routine. <laughs> I, they're not for for some reason. I thought they would be like kind of like soft, you know, pastel colored, but they are like white cotton mime gloves Ooh, that yes. I am. I started wearing them to bed this week. When Anthony got in bed, I was like, "Hello, <laughs> Do you, are you turned on by my new accoutrement?" <laughs> And was he? Oh, he was. Yes. He was like, take uh, everything off but the gloves. <laughs> no, he was. He was horrified. But you know what? Oh. Bedtime for me has become about when I'm going to, how am I going to like restore my body's functions while I'm slumbering? It has mm. nothing to do with anybody else. Um, you know, I went on, I don't know if it's because, you know, I broke my hand. And so I, I'm just constantly looking at my hand or mm. what, but I... While I was on vacation, I went on a little deep dive on Reddit on their various fingernail forums. Okay, I'm listening. So like Reddit Reddit can be such an amazing resource and I feel like I, I I've never really truly tapped into it. And sometimes I'll be like, "Oh, I'm curious about like my nail beds." Oh, I should just search nail beds on Reddit. Mm. Which is what happened. And I went deep into three specific forums. The first one is is nail biting. The second okay. one is calm hands. And the third one is just nails. There are other nail-focused forums on there, but those were the three that I joined and have been following along in because as I think I've talked about, I am I'm not a nail biter. I don't chew my nails off. I chew the skin around my nails and I dig my teeth under my nails. Oh, okay. Not fun. And it recently dawned on me that doing this for the last, you know, 35 years is maybe the reason why my nail beds are as short as they are. Interesting. I I think genetically, my family also just has smaller nail beds. Like my hands are looked very similar to my mom's and that sort of thing. But also what was interesting is in nail biting and calm hands, people do a lot of before and after photos after quitting some very mm. severe nail biting habits. Mm-hmm. And not only do people's nails grow, but their nail beds grow back and the skin underneath reattaches to the nail. So I started to get kind of obsessed with the idea that maybe I at 42 could break a habit I have had for as long as I can remember. Okay. This or is I could exciting. at least, I, you know, I just was like, I want to just try because I feel like what I've done my whole life is put fake nails on, whether it's a press on or a gel polish or the powder dip or a hard gel or whatever. And that just ends up kind of messing, ultimately messing with my natural nail. So my thought was, what can I do to strengthen my natural nails and grow out a little bit my nail beds. I'm not expecting to like leave the earth with like completely different hands. Mm. Mm-hmm. How can I work <laughs> with what I have? <laughs> okay. So I, I've done a lot of reading on these forums and it's been really illuminating. And the biggest thing is that I have to, I have to stop chewing on them. Yeah. Which is not fun. Yeah. It's not fun. But I did buy a bunch of stuff because, of course, that's my um, 
solution to everything. Mm-hmm. And I am a little worried that I'm in one of those like excited moments where I'm like, I'm going to handle this. Give me five bottles of cuticle oil. And then in a week, I'm going to not be interested anymore. So Uh (laughs) I'm going into this like lovingly. But you know what I got that I've never tried before is the bitter nail polish that you put on if you're a nail biter. Oh, yes, yes. You never, okay. You've never tried that? Never tried it. I was always like, this is bullshit. This is a scam. This won't work. I got I, what's called Mavala. I remember trying this like years and years ago, maybe when I was like a teenager. Um, I think, I mean, it does taste like shit. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's disgusting. It kind of is working. What What is annoying is that it, Like if I like dip my finger in food and lick my finger, then I get a hit of it. So I'm a little irritated by it in general, but it, um, it, it actually does work. And the flavor, like it's stays in your mouth. I mean, it Mm -hmm. is a, it is a miserable reminder. So I have that on. And I've also just kind of been researching like filing my nails with a glass nail file, a glass emery board. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bought one of those. I bought nail glue so I could patch up a break in my nail and let it grow out rather than the thing I do, which is like cut it down to the, mm-hmm. cut, you know, like you trim it all the way off. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a nail brush that I am using to clean under my nails rather than my teeth. And also like I love to like shove tools under my nails and clean them out. Mm. And then I bought jojoba oil, which I am lathering all over my fingers and my cuticles. And then I put on my gloves. And I'm taking biotin. Look at you. Those are my steps. This is what I have learned. And I'm really, really going to try. Oh, and also I'm pushing back my cuticles in a gentle way. Okay. With a tool. And I also bought some cuticle removing stuff. Okay. I went, I really went for it. Wow. Oh, and I bought some buffers. I went, I went for it. I went for it. But I really like every night I get into bed and I jojoba myself and then I put on my miming gloves and then I read on my Kindle and then I go to sleep and my hands, they are looking a little, it's, it's been a week. Okay. And because Dory, I can't, as you can see, Dory can see in our video that I am back wearing my hand brace on my broken hand. Mm-hmm. Because of my broken hand, I can't bite the two fingers attached to the metacarpals that I broke. Ooh. So they're kind of like my experimental fingers. I can't get to them. So I'm like, let me see, especially with these two, what happens since like right now I can't fulfill my compulsive urges with those two fingers. Okay. But If anyone out there is a nail biter or a nail picker or whatever, if you have this compulsion and you have modified your behavior, I would love to know how you did it, what happened, what was the thing that made you stop? I mean, I'm really curious. I don't feel like we've dug into nail biting here. Have we? No, I don't think we really have. I don't think we really have. Yeah, so... Just something I wanted to flag. I don't know. I don't. It's hard to break a compulsion. Like I'm so addicted to. It's really hard. Were you a nail biter? Is that why you tried that bitter tasting stuff? I was a nail biter as a kid. Yeah. Okay. And how did you? Did you just evolve? 
I don't, I honestly don't remember. I feel like I bit my nails and then I was maybe a nail picker for a while. Mm-hmm. So tempting. Um, but I kind of stopped. I, I do remember using the bitter stuff on my nails, but I also don't feel like that totally cured it. But I, I couldn't tell you exactly what did. I think I just, yeah, sort of stopped. But I, I think my, I, my brother bit his nails until very recently if he doesn't still do it like really bit them like down to the down to the quick as as we said mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean i feel like it's you know it's pretty common oh yeah it's fast i mean it was it's really validating joining these groups because right you know i've always felt such shame around my hands as i've mentioned on this show and mm. You know, it it was. I don't. It did. I felt way less alone. And one would think I would know other nail biters, but I don't. I don't know if I do. One of my best friends from high school was a big nail biter, and she quit. Oh, I wow. should ask her how she did it. Yeah, she you quit. Should. Yeah, I'll 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 ping her after this recording. Yeah, do that. Yeah. So that's one of my current obsessions right now is is going deep on these nails. I am here for this journey. Thank you, Dory. I will keep you posted. Please do. Um, well, you know, Kate, I have just been thinking about our sort of like re-entry from Thanksgiving. Yeah. How are you how are you feeling kind of coming back into the work world? And uh how is it going for your family? Well, I'm feeling okay. It's like okay. nice. It's actually like nice to be back. Um, but Henry is like really struggling and it's having a lot of like separation anxiety. And so that's been, that's been like hard to just sort of like see him sad, you know? Yeah. And also because he is still small enough that, and I mean, who can articulate feelings anyway? Like adults can't do do it. Totally. But like, it's hard for him to really even like verbalize or communicate to you exactly exactly what's going on. Exactly. So, you know, that's been, that's been sort of challenging and it's just been like a reminder for me of like, oh yeah, like he is a small person and his brain is changing so quickly like everything for him is changing constantly. And that's got to be real disorienting. It's got to be a wild ride. It's got to be a wild ride to be two and a half and just like trying to live your life. <laughs> and not be, and just, yeah, just being kind of like taken along. Like you never know what the next day is going to hold. No, you really don't. And yeah, I mean, he's been really like, wanting to stay home a lot Mm. and worried about when people are going to come back. And Mm. I'm just like, Oh buddy. Like, and you know, but, but by the same token, like I don't want him to think that it's like not okay for him to be sad. Yeah. But I also feel bad that he feels sad. Of course. Of course. Well, uh, uh, like, yes. I mean, that's like natural as a parent. And also just, we've been like conditioned to try to like not, let anybody feel sad about anything. So right. it's like a double <laughs> right. whammy. Right. So that, and then that's also something that I'm trying to like unlearn. 
Yeah. You know, like discomfort around sadness and emotions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also um, you can't solve every problem for your kids. No. Like they have to feel, they have to experience all these exactly. things. Exactly. But that's not fun. Sucks. No. And I don't have to like, like make him sad. You know what I mean? I don't <laughs> no. know. It's just, it's like, it's, it's very confusing. <sighs> so that's just kind of like what's been on my mind. Mm. Um, well, and you know, Lately. then that's, you know, even that adds to kind of your emotional stress load as well. Yes. Totally. You know, as, as a totally. parent. Yes. <sighs> so anyway, I don't know. I'm not like, I think that's just like, just, just, it's just a constant curveball. As you know, as someone with two children just always a curveball. Oh, every fucking day yep. is a new thing. Yeah. My yep. my 11-year-old broke her toe. Oh gosh. It's fine. It's the pinky toe, but like it's been a it's been a lot of you know. She needs a lot of attention about the toe. Oh. It's not fun breaking a toe. It's still sucks. <sighs> it is not fun. It is not fun. No. Um Anyway, so that's all. How I had a question kind of about like when you are like watching your kid experience feelings, like big feelings, do mm-hmm. does that trigger in you similar emotion? Well, it's tricky because, like, as I read more about codependency, like, I don't want to, um, I don't want my son to feel responsible for my emotions. Mm. And I think that is also connected to, like, taking on people's emotions. So it's complicated. I didn't realize you were like digging into more into codependency. I'm not, uh, I'm not digging into it. Okay. 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 I feel like it's come up Mm. on in like various Facebook groups I've been. Yeah. And, um, I've been curious about it and I don't think I'm codependent, but I think that I, like, I see some things where I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Mm. You know, and just sort of like, examining patterns mm-hmm. and and also mm-hmm. wanting and i think there's also been a lot of conversations like uh in a lot of the um parenting expert like instagram accounts that i follow like dr <laughs> becky and big little feelings and like that kind of thing there's a it's very um i don't want to say like trendy but like it kind of is trendy right now to talk about like how to raise your child to not be codependent interesting that's a that's a a big i think that's a big conversation happening right now in early childhood circles so it's just you know it's just made me kind of think about like how i want to raise an emotionally aware child who is not you know codependent and not like taking on other people's emotions wow that's a fucking so, lot. So, 
you know, just just a few things floating around in my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know, when you're laying in bed at night. Yeah, exactly. Dory, why don't we introduce our guest today? Let's do that. Well, friends, today on the podcast, we have Eve Rodsky, period. (laughs) (laughs) Eve is the New York Times bestselling author of Fair Play, a game-changing solution for when you have too much to do and more life to live, and host of the podcast, No One is Coming to Save Us. And her latest book, Find Your Unicorn Space, Reclaim Your Creative Life in a Too Busy World, comes out December 28th. We are very excited to talk to her. Yes. Um, All right. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, is our conversation with Eve. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Kate, I feel like we are, like, barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events there's weddings there's nights out it's vacations i mean like all the things happening in summer and what i love is that honey love has just the right thing for all those events feel comfortable and confident this summer with honey love's best selling superpower short the superpower short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me Let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Okay, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say, like, I, I I, don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it, like, the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just, like, sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like, get this off of me. <laughs> No, thank once you. Once you once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast, but I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish 
on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now they dissect issues women face in the U.S., and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass, because this is the year you can really learn from the best to Become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss, or Think Like a Boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually... Actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince. But it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie. Also from Quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from thirty dollars. You got washable silk tops, really stunning fourteen karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E 
com slash forever 35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash forever 35 well we are so glad to be here with our guest eve rodsky today eve thank you for coming welcome to the podcast we can't wait to find our own unicorn spaces with you today Amazing. <laughs> so happy to be here. <laughs> Kate and Dory, I love I love your your podcast. It is your unicorn space. So whether you get paid a dollar or a billion dollars to do it, keep please keep doing it. The active pursuit of how you interview and how funny you are makes me very happy. Oh, oh that's thank so you. kind. <sighs> well, um, way to start. Yeah, seriously. Um, well, as you know, since you listen to the show, we always like to start off by asking our guests about a self-care practice that they have, which, you know, I did appreciate that in your book, you make a distinction between self-care and the unicorn space. So I'd love to hear about a self-care practice, but I'd also then love to hear you talk about kind of the difference between those two. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to start. Um, I've been really researching, well, as you know, I'm, I didn't wake up at when I was in third grade saying I was going to be a gender division of labor specialist story and Kate, I think I was said I wanted to be like an astronaut when I grew up. So, but I just same way, I didn't really think I was going to be researching the intersection of women's happiness, identity and creativity. Um, but, but I am. And um, my second book, which as you said, find your unicorn space is really about um, you know, what makes us come alive and why it's so subversive to find time for ourselves. And so I think a lot about self-care um, because I, in Fair Play, my first book, I interviewed people about time. The whole through line was, why is it that we as a society treat men's time as if it's finite, like diamonds, and we guard it, and we treat women's time as if it's infinite, like sand. And the problem is, if it's infinite, like sand, um, and and you just get 24 hours in a day, then unfortunately it means we don't get a lot of choice over how we use our time. So I asked a question, what would you do with a found hour of time? Uh, and a lot of people talked to me about their errands. So I said, well, let's put, let's put the unpaid labor aside. <laughs> what would you do for an hour with you? And it did break down into three things and they are different. One was adult friendships, Right, Dory and Kate, you'll go grab a drink. I'll go grab a drink with you somewhere in West Hollywood, um, which is really important. Um, another was se true self-care, I like to call it, versus commodified wellness, which is somebody telling us we have to buy something. But, you know, mm. taking a walk with a dog on the beach. And my self-care is always, always reading. It is mm. reading, reading, reading. Um, my son, I was screaming at him for all the gifts he got for Hanukkah and he said, well, you get box every day and you're addicted to books. I was like, well, that's a good thing to be addicted to. <laughs> so, um, so, so, so reading, uh, murder mysteries is absolutely the number one. I'm an Agatha Christie, um, in all of her iterations, uh, huge, huge fan. And, um, but that's still different. That self-care and that adult friendships are different than this idea of unicorn space, which is, ultimately linked to our longevity and mental health in a way that self-care and adult friendships are, but, but aren't. It's the flow state, the idea of the active pursuit of things that make you you and how we share those with the world. That is the distinction between self-care. So you want to take a spin class, great, that's self-care. Teaching a spin class would be unicorn space. You want to read a book, 
great. That self-care, uh, writing a book, uh, would be unicorn space. You want to listen to a podcast? Great. Forever 35 is my self-care, but, um, you hosting it is unicorn space. And unicorn space doesn't necessarily, you also make a distinction between unicorn space and hobbies. Um, and, and kind of from what I was reading in your book and what you're saying right now, unicorn space can also be something that you do for money. It doesn't have to be something that you, you know, don't make money from, but maybe making money is not the goal. I don't know. Can you kind of tease yeah, that out for me? Yeah. Well, I think the interesting thing about unicorn space, this idea of um, creativity um, redefined as unicorn space, because the reason why I don't like the word hobby, Dory, is because anything that women do, literally, if we do it, it's um, it's dismissed. <laughs> Uh, women enter a male profession, the salaries automatically go down. We say things in society like breastfeeding is free. Um, things that we spend a lot of time on that um, are valuable to us are often dismissed by society. And so that's why the idea is so subversive, right? The idea that we have a permission to be unavailable from our roles as parents, partners, and professionals, that we literally, whether it's paid or unpaid, that we get to have sustained attention more than three minutes and 42 seconds, which is the average time women get interrupted during the pandemic, sustained attention for things that we love is still a very subversive concept in, in our society. And so that's why I don't, I, I had to make up a new word for what I was mm -hmm. describing because the word hobby felt so dismissive. The word mm -hmm. passion project felt really dismissive. The word vanity project, um, which is associated with a lot of women's stuff is very, very dismissive. Um, one article, um, called, called creative space, a distraction. Um, and they said it was aligned with creative pursuits were aligned with a midlife crisis. And so I would actually like to, to take, take issue with that and say, I think so spending time, uninterrupted attention for things that you love, um, is actually not, shouldn't be associated with a crisis. It should be associated with midlife thriving, um, but it took me uh, 10 years, actually, when I was 35 was my first real understanding and awareness of how I had lost my time to the invisible work of raising children and running a family. So 35 is a very symbolic age for me because it took me 10 years to unlearn and to ask for that, that permission for myself and others to have a true boundary. And so I think what we're talking about today and why it's not a hobby is because at the end of the day, unicorn space isn't an answer like a hobby. It's a question. And that's a little bit harder. It's a question about what makes you you and how do you share that with the world? And for so many of us, it's the antidote to burnout. Because sadly, from what I've learned over researching 10 years over women and time and productivity and creativity and unpaid labor is that I wish I could tell you the antidote to burnout was taking a walk around the block or even basic self-care or a walk on the beach with your dog. It's not. It's actually the antidote to burnout is the permission to be interested in your own life. Ooh. Oh, there's a lot to yeah. unpack and yes. dig into here. <laughs> okay. I have so many questions. Can we start with kind of unpacking how privilege can play into all this? Because, you know, I think we've, especially in the last two years, there's been a lot of conversation about 
really, I think more than ever, at least in my lifetime, really examining capitalism and how it is really not geared toward um, making a human feel good. Uh, and there, there, at least in my mind, is a lot of, of privilege and even being able to find the time to create space for this. How does privilege work here and how can we deconstruct it so that something like creating a unicorn space is accessible for everyone? Well, I think that's a great question. Um, as my friend Natalie Nixon, who's a creativity strategist, says, creativity actually loves constraints. Um, the, 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 the irony or, or the assumption that I had too, right? That, um, you need to first find time to even start mm. thinking about what makes you, you what makes you creative is, is the opposite of what I found in my research, which is that, um, when I correl, when people were willing to answer what, whether they were identified as working class or lower middle class or middle class or 1%, the, 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 the people who identified in, the with more economic privilege had a harder time identifying what their creative sustained attention for who they were was actually ironically and not just because creativity loves constraints and we know that some of the most creative most important works have come out of extreme stress um wartime mm. frida kello's work is a great one. Um, she was even dismissed as a human. She was called her husband's wife dabbling in, in painting. But what's very interesting, I think, is exactly what you said, Kate, about capitalism. So what I think happens as people get more and more um, steeped in a capitalist patriarchy is that as you achieve, quote unquote, success or more economic privilege, the more constraints around the milestones you're supposed to achieve come up um, for you in your life. And so what happens is that in a capitalist patriarchy, we are allowed to be three things as women. Um, we are allowed to be parents, partners, and or professionals, um, or working for pay or for not for pay. That's really what we're allowed to do. But if you say to to people that you are going to go outside of those three P's, um, as, as I, as I did, even with all my economic privilege, trying to sit down, uh, get help for Seth on the weekends before fair play. Um, so guilt full of guilt and shame for saying that I want to spend an afternoon on Sundays writing about a topic that people told me I was crazy to write about who would want to write, read a book about chores and housework. Um, my entire community, my entire uh, world, the people at, at the cafes, everyone shamed me to say, um, you know, your husband's, uh, he's going to find someone else if you keep leaving him. Um, so one woman actually said that to me, or, um, why would you spend a Sunday by yourself? Um, when you work during the week, um, won't your kids, um, hate you and, and don't you want to see them? I mean, you're not even going to your son's game, right? So what happens is that we get smaller and smaller. Um, as our milestones grow bigger and bigger. Oh boy. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm stressed. <laughs> Just so the structures that are set up are, are, um, so challenging to navigate. And I, I think, you know, you address this so well in, in fair play. And it's, I mean, what I find encouraging about your book is that you, it's also like a guiding light on how to, create this this space and and cre not just create the time but create like the acceptance 
for this kind of creative play. And I, I appreciate that you approach it that way. Well, thank you for saying that. Again, I think for me, the idea was um, it, it derived out of the women's stories um, that were, were you know, gleaned now. I, I'd say I probably have the biggest longitudinal study of unpaid labor, um, couples dynamics in, in, in probably the mm. world at this point in terms of our CRM database and all of the people we spoke to, including fo- following 75 families during the pandemic. Um, and the truth is that regardless of financial economic privilege and different ethnic identities, um, we all have, women have one thing in common, um, all over the world. And that is that some, at one point in our lives, we will be defined by our roles. Um, we will have been defined by our roles. And I think, um, regardless of where we are, um, and of course, you know, again, a lot of my work is saying we b- breathe polluted air. Uh, we're living in polluted air, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't breathe, right? We we still can find our way back to the best way we can be and take agency in our own lives while recognizing that we can devote our lives to making it better for people who who are come behind us and who have it worse than we do, right? That's the best thing you can do with your privilege is to use it in that way. But I think ultimately that the, what what I'm what I saw for so many women who felt like they'd been sold a bill of goods um, in their early parts of their lives. And again, I'm not getting easier. As one man said to me, you like to go really dark to go light, but I will go light. <laughs> and there is humor in here. But I think the really important part is to understand that, um, and my friend quoted this quote, and I can't remember who said it. So if we can put it in the show notes, I would we I will find it after, but that we have liberated women, but we have constrained mothers. So when you do that, what happens is that girls are sold a bill of goods, or as I delivered a commencement speech that got canceled during COVID that was called, uh, to, to college women, you only have 10 years left to live. <laughs> um, and it was funny. It was actually really funny. But the idea that when you liberate women, but you constrain mothers, um, women and those who aren't mothers, those who, 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 who may even be mothers, again, the forever 35, um, around that demographic, all the bias, um, to, if you are a mother and if you are perceived as perhaps wanting a family at some point in your life, um, all of those, that freedom, that, that the, the freedom to dream and to be big and to have dreams and to f- actualize those dreams and to be interested in our own lives and to receive those messages that we could be and do anything are basically, they're lost. They're, 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 the, the fire burns out. And that's what this book is about. This book is about reclaiming that fire to understand that it should never go out. I should never have had to burn myself down in my marriage and my surprise of what my life had turned into. Um, and I never want anybody else to have to go through that ever, ever again. So let me, let me ask you like a kind of, I guess an existential question about um your books and these types of books in particular which are kind of geared towards women and give them a roadmap to have these conversations to change their lives but I'm wondering like where is the where where are the men who are you know exhorting other men to change like mm. why can't men be the ones 
trying to um, impart structural change? Like, why does it have to be on us? I know. Well, I think that's a great question. My mother, um, who's a professor of social change at Hunter School of Social Work, she's a role model of mine and um, and and a big critic, um, at least in the beginning. Now she's not. Um, but, but the idea that um, I would choose to write to women. Um, for her, she wanted me to write to men. Um, but I'd say the... The reason why I, I made a very intentional decision, Dory, and by the way, we'll talk about all the amazing men and the advocacy. We have this huge coalition now of men's groups that we train through Fair Play that use the cards that are, um, and if anybody wants to see a really cool newsletter, sign up for Dads 2.0. They are amazing. So, so it's, it's happening, but I will say that, um, in when I start to research this, I had no idea this was going to become, a book I, at the at the point of of my blueberries breakdown when I write about my husband Seth sending me a text that said I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries, oh. and and <laughs> the subsequent breakdown on the side of the road literally, um, and the realization of having a diaper bag and a breast pump you know in the passenger seat of my car and gifts for a newborn baby to return in the back of the car and a client contract on my lap because I had opted out of the traditional workforce now I say forced out because any woman who's not in the traditional workforce who was there has been forced out um, 100%. I've never seen one, a, a case where it's been an actual choice. Mm. Um, and then Seth on top of that decides to send me an email. I'm su- I mean, a text, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. And then I felt like that was the moment Rage. where right, I was being defined, you know, my marriage was going to collapse over being the fulfiller of my husband's smoothie needs. But I yeah. think, I think the, the, what I really start to understand as I start to try to understand what was happening to me was um, something really important happened. Um, as I started to talk to other women, one of the most important uh, sort of, I would use these uh, abbreviations, uh, similar to the way sociologists do it, um, even though I'm trained in anthropology and law, but I also, my mother's a sociologist, um, uh, so CIYOO became the mo- one of the most common common uh, annotation story, and that was complicit in your own oppression. And it was the realization that as I started to realize that this is fucking not about blueberries, um, the resentment and the rage and the anger of holding on and, and, and supporting the foundation of our, our society being supported by the unpaid labor of women. Um, and then in white feminism, well, yeah, you can succeed, but you better outsource. Um, and, and then it'll be built on the backs of the undervalued and underpaid labor of domestic workers that are women of color. That whole dynamic, that is a house of cards. Fair play is a great metaphor for many reasons. One of them, it is a fucking house of cards. Fair play is a card metaphor. There are a hundred cards and men need to start taking and, and taking some. But in the beginning, it was the realization that why was it so hard to get people to adopt the system? It's literally the easiest system in the world. It's an ownership mindset. Dory and Kate, you don't go to your producer and say, hey, what should we be talking about today? I'll just wait here to you tell me what to do. Nobody does that. <laughs> um, most of us take agency in our own lives, but in the home, it's a complete and total shit show, decision fatigue, disaster. And often it is that where you're waiting for somebody to tell you what to do. And what I realized was, and this is a long answer because it's an important question, was that the through line for me to why I had to speak to women was that we 
for, for since the beginning of time, we've been conditioned that men's time is, is finite. It is diamonds, right? And women's time is infinite. It is, it is sand. And so while we know when women enter male professions, salaries automatically go down. While we know that we, we hear, as I said earlier, things like breastfeeding is free. The hardest thing for me to hear was these four things. And I'll ask your listeners if you've ever said this, if you have a family or a family structure or a roommate or, or a boss that makes you order the birthday cake, this idea that somehow we do more in the home because our partner makes more or somehow that we do more in the home because we're better multitaskers or somehow we do more in the home because in the time it takes me to tell him, her, they what to do, I should do it myself. Or my favorite, yes, we're both colorectal surgeons, but I can, I find the time because my partner can only focus at one task at a time. The, the amount of toxic time messages where we devalue our own time to the point where we have no time left was ultimately why I chose to write to women. So we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I know. visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, One Skin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel. I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Okay, we're back. Getting back to this idea of creating a unicorn space in your life, what are like very basic steps that people who have found themselves in these kind of like 
time sucks. Toxic. Had you were toxic time traps? Is that the word? You toxic used? time messages. Yeah, messages. Mm-hmm. Even though I like toxic time traps better. Either Maybe one. I'll start using that. Yes, I love it. You may have it. Um, how do you, how how can people begin to not just create like the time and the space, but even identify something that brings them pleasure or pleasure or that is done for joy? I think that's such a great question. Um, and that was the most fun was being able to interview people about their creative lives, um, all different walks of life and their creative journeys, because it's way easier, Kate, than asking people about the division of labor in their homes. I'll tell you that. Um, but what was so beautiful was that there, um, as back to the alliter- alliterations, uh, that I just said, I like toxic time traps better because it's an alliteration, but, um, <laughs> there was an actual through line. That was the beauty. There were three C's. And what, while unicorn space again is not an answer, it's a question. The book is, is here to mm. prompt you to answer your most important questions, as we said, right? What makes you you and how you share it with the world. And so the way you start, um, there's a framework. There really needs three things to have a unicorn space or to consider it a practice in your life. And there's the three, it starts with curiosity. You sort of swerve through com- connection and completion is, is, is that last important step. And so curiosity, connection, and completion are the three things that this book guides you through. But the first step is always curiosity. And I think, especially as we said, we started dark in a, in a place, in a, in a world where women's time is not valued and we have very little time choice over how we use our time. I think curiosity's, um, back to, to the capitalist patriarchy and privilege, um, consumerism, uh, commodified wellness, um, our bodies is where a society would rather us spend our time. Um, I just finished reading a great book called Capote's Women by my editor. Um, and the amount of time these swans that Truman Capote in the 1950s, the amount of energy and time they put into having perfect bodies, the amount of eating disorder, disordered eating, um, it's really helpful for women to stay small like that because the more you spend time on that, the less time you can spend having big ideas. And big ideas, creative ideas scare, scare our society. So the curiosity that I'm talking about is not which diaper bag to buy, um, or which, <laughs> which new uh, Botox treatment or filler is, is, the best for making you look natural. It is literally a curious, or as my friend said, well, I'm the only thing I'm curious about Eve is scrolling Venmo to see my other friend's transactions. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't even know you could oh do that. Oh my God. Yes. That's such a, it's yes. also a hobby of mine. Oh boy. <laughs> right. Right. So the, not that type of curiosity, the type of curiosity I'm talking about is really values based curiosity. And so what I mean by that is um, really the return the return to really understanding and um, playing with and practicing with your 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 values, what what you value and what you don't value. So for me, it was coming back to the fact that I've since since birth, justice. There's always been a through line of justice and community. Those are my values: creating community, 
um, an aversion of justice. Um, but an obligation, obligation was a value that had mattered to me. I think in the beginning of my marriage, I thought obligation was important. And now I don't fucking feel obligated anymore to wipe asses and do dishes. And so I let obligation go. But I think it's about reexamining our values and understanding that no matter what I did, I, I could have done something totally different, but the fact that justice and community is a piece of what I'm creating now um, is not a surprise to me if I really thought deep, if I had enough time, as we said earlier, to really think about it. Um, I am wondering, for the person who is truly overwhelmed, like what what is that first step you can take? That's a great question. And I'll answer it by saying that so much of the productivity books, um, because I'm on a lot of these panels, are really funny to me. Um, Sort of the creativity uh, research, the the big books in creativity um, and productivity are often written by white men. And they make me laugh because the assumption um, when I'll sit on these panels is the advice says things like, well, um, you know, you're going to have your flow state, obviously, because you just need two uninterrupted days a week. Right. So, um, that always makes me laugh. Uh, even in Harvard Business Review's work life balance, as much as I love Harvard Business Review and I write for them, uh, in their work life balance book, uh, there's an article talking about, um, how you need uninterrupted days. Um, again, for, for women and less privileged women, um, uh, the idea of uninterrupted days, um, is is a pipe dream. We are interrupted, as we said, on average every three minutes and 42 seconds. We have been, that's, that was a time diary study done during the pandemic. And so what this book tries to do is understand that I wish I could, same with Fair Play, I wish I could have just jumped into the cards. Why did I have to spend an entire hundred pages debunking the myths right. of why we devalue our own time? This same way in this book, I felt like, how can you just jump into a creative program of values-based exercises, which we have, and they're so fun. Um, the connection, like why you share, and there's a lot of exercises and that's so fun, or even how to complete something without really understanding that there are severe hurdles to taking that first step. And so for me, the, the, the three that came up in the through line of women in now 17 countries, was what I decided to write about in the first part of this book, which was that the first step is requiring a permission to be unavailable. That is it. It is That's a true boundary that you deserve. And I will ask your listeners out there, do you, do, do you believe you deserve a permission to be unavailable from your roles mm-hmm. as a partner, parent, and or a professional? And if you, if you think you do, can you burn down the guilt and shame that comes around with people telling you you don't deserve that permission to be unavailable? And then on top of that, the third piece of the puzzle was, do you have the tools to use your voice to ask for what you need? Because I know that when you only have 10 years left to live, when I was delivering that commencement and I was in that moment of bottom at 35, mm. um, where I was at the bottom of the the lowest point in my life where everything I felt I had been taught had been sold to me was a lie. Um, I did not have the career marriage combo I thought I was going to have. I was drowning in invisible labor with the privilege that I had um, of a community around me. We moved to LA to get help from my, from my in-laws and still it was so hard. Um, I realized that 
for me, it's the putting the boundary around myself. It was saying to Seth, wow, you know what I've been noticing? You have four hours after our kids go to bed to check support center, to work out, to finish a PowerPoint deck. Whereas I'm doing things in service of our home until my head hits the pillow two hours after you go to sleep. And you know what? I deserve as much time choice over how I use my day as you do, Seth. And so that boundary is going to stick now. So whatever has to happen, um, I'm going to hold firm that boundary that we're going to have to re-divide up how this household runs because I want my time choice back. And that is a very hard thing to do, to believe that we have the permission to be unavailable. And then as my friend Cheryl Ziegler-Gonzalez says, the next thing is this idea of, you know, how does guilt and shame fit into that? Even if you believe that you have that permission to be unavailable, does it hold up when society brings domestic encroachment, those clouds of, oh, I carved out an hour to write, but I really should pick up Ben. He's sitting languishing at a daycare and uh, I know he really hates it. Or um, my phone's ringing. It's my mother's caretaker. I really probably should pick up that phone, even though it's going to interrupt my flow state. What we now know from research is that the compartmentalization of men believing that they're artists or writers or workers is actually extremely compartmentalized. Whereas women, when we are artists, we're workers, we're um, whatever we are doing, we bring with us our roles as um, caregivers. And so that is the hardest part. You ask for the first step. It's the hardest step because the fun part is the program for getting to the what. But it's understanding that boundary means, again, not a walk around the block. It's this, I deserve a permission to be interested in my own life. And I'm going to burn down the guilt and shame around the time it's going to take me to to get there. Um, and so I will say there's actual actionable tips in the book about how to burn guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. My fa- my favorite is that that my colleague, again, Dr. Um, Cheryl Ziegler-Gonzalez, who says um, one of the first things you can do is start the self-talk to yourself. So before you even learning how to use your voice or thinking about what you want to do, how do you talk to yourself? Do you say to yourself, I feel guilty because I didn't put Anna to bed last night? Or, which I often said, or did I start starting to say to myself, reframe it to say, I made the decision not to put Anna to bed last night. I made the choice not to put Anna to bed last night because Dory and Kate are in Europe and I really wanted to speak to them. And when you have that firmness in yourself that it's a choice, I made the choice to not leave my family and, and abandon them and miss Zach's birthday to go on my book tour. I made the choice to go on a book tour for fair play because I felt like I was sick of hearing work, unpaid labor of women and women's time being diminished as rolling people's eyes. Oh, you're talking about boring things like chores and housework and nobody wants to hear you. I felt like my message was needed to be heard. And so I left on a book tour and I remember I had to take an origami piece of paper and I write about this in the book of Anna. Someone had given Anna origami, which I think was really funny because she was like one at the time. (laughs) I'm like, how is an infant going to fold this? But it was really beautiful paper. So I took a Sharpie. I took the paper. I wrote guilt and shame on a piece of origami paper. I folded it up into this really small square and I set it on fire. And I remember talking to guilt and shame before I left on this book tour saying, you know what? 
I felt guilt for not doing my homework. It got me out of, it got me out of a, a, a really shitty, um, childhood, uh, education guy, guilt and shame. You've been there for me. You did a lot for me mm. to get where I am, but actually I really don't need you. I don't need you anymore. Mm. And, um, that was very powerful because even when I was away and Seth would say, well, the kids really miss you. I, it was like I was a witch. I could not even conjure up those feelings anymore. They were, they were gone. So now if I need to do it again, sometimes I need maintenance and I just, I burn, I burn shit down again. Um, well, I was going to say two things. One is I wish Kate and I were in Europe right now. Me too. <laughs> and the other is it, it seems like what you're really talking about is like breaking the addiction to needing to be needed and how I think for so many people that becomes an identity. Correct. And so saying I'm, I'm going to remove myself from this, this I'm making this choice there. I think underlying that for a lot of people, there's a very real fear of like, Oh, well, wait, what if I take myself out of the situation and then they can put themselves to bed and I'm not going to be needed anymore. So how do you suggest people who feel that way kind of work to overcome that? Well, I think again, back to what we talked about earlier about, um, about what our society, um, the, the, the sort of the, the trip it's done on all of us is that, um, I think that's where it wants us to stay, right? It mm -hmm. wants us to stay, um, small and quiet. And when you are defined, um, by your roles, you are staying small and quiet because at the end of the day, it's actually not about you. Mm -hmm. Um, it's about that other person. Um, and so, it's again, these are, these are subversive things we're talking about here. But the good news is that it's not an either or. We're moving to a world now. I think that is much more nuanced. It's a both and you can actually still be needed and be yourself. You can actually still, um, be a good parent, a partner and or professional and still, um, have uninterrupted attention for things that you love. Um, there is a, a place for both of those things. I think. What I found is that it takes the secret formula of boundaries that we've been talking about this whole podcast, systems, which is why fair play came first, um, and communication, as we said, you know, asking for what you need, but the self-talk that comes first. The practice of communication is what I would say to those people. Um, most of us are going through our day with not much foresight or looking backwards. And so sometimes just stopping to say, how am I talking to myself? Am I, as my friend Hitha says, am I listening to myself or am I talking to myself? When you listen to yourself, all that crap comes in. I'm not going to be needed and it's going to hate me. I'm going to repeat the patterns of abandonment. Um, there's so much stuff that, but if we talk to ourselves, right, I'm making the choice not to put Anna to bed. I am making the choice to go out with Dory and Kate for dinner um, because friendships are a really, really important part of my identity. Then when you actually verbalize those things to your partner or your kids, you don't sound wishy-washy. You don't sound, oh my God, Anna, I'm, I'm so sorry that I didn't do this for you. You're firm in your choices. And one of the symbolic ways that I did this recently was, or not that recently, but when I started to write Unicorn Space, um, after hearing so many amazing women of all walks of life and men and non-binary individuals to tell me their 
walk back to themselves, their awakening of their creative journeys was I took off my, I had these initial necklaces with my kids' initials on them. Mm. And I said, you know what? I said to my kids, I, and it wasn't, I felt guilty. I was really using my, my tools in the, the unicorn space toolbox. And I said, I love this necklace, but I really don't want to wear this anymore. Mm. Um, I'm really happy that you guys are turning to great people. I want you to have your own initials. Eventually, maybe I'll give these to you and you can wear them. But I'm going to put my own initial back on. Um, and I went to a costume jewelry store. Um, uh, and I, st- I put on an E. Um, today I'm wearing an evil eye, but, but I, I, I put my own initial back on. And now my kids sort of walk around when they see anybody wearing mom on their neck and they're like, don't wear that. Where's, what's your, what's your name? What's your initial? Um, you know, my nine year old son, Ben is like, wait, what's your, your, um, your, your, uh, Casey's mom. What's your actual, what's your real name? Um, so I'm like, well, if a nine year old man, if a nine year old boy can understand that he should ask so an older woman what her name is, her actual name is, and not that she's just Casey's mom, then maybe we're doing something right here for those men, Dory, that you were talking about that need to start understanding and taking proactive, um, engagement mm-hmm. in there, in there. And I will say that the beauty of this is that while there was a permission paradox. I did not in the beginning of fair play, my journey 10 years ago at 35, believe that I deserved a chance to explore these issues because they were unpaid. They had nothing to do with my career. I was taking Sundays off, but I will say now my partnership is so much stronger. And what Seth says about it is who knew I would be so proud of you for a book that portrays me in such a (laughs) fucked up light. (laughs) And that's the cool thing. So the cool uh, thing is most people are not going to be writing books about their husbands so, right. or, or their partners. Or again, this is, this is not just for, um, hetero cisgender couples. These same issues come up in same sex couples because these heteronormative things are all over. They take over our lives. One person who makes less money ends up doing more. They report loss of identity. It happens all over. Women who don't have, who don't have families say that they have no boundaries to create unicorn space because they're the ones who have to order the boss's birthday cake and stay late because other parents have to put their kids to bed. Mm -hmm. It is just a product of our system that we are not allowed to have a life outside of our identities of those three P's. And that's why this is really, it is, it is a big topic. It in, it's not an easy topic to talk about or address, but it is really exciting when you start. When you start saying, what am I curious about? Um, because it's a snowball. Yeah. I'm curious about the gender division of labor. I'm curious about how other women create their unicorn space. And now I'm actually really curious about how to make chocolate. And I was thinking, should I just take, you know, 15 minutes a day in addition to my other unicorn spaces just to start ra- watching chocolatier videos? Um, and that's what I decided I want to start doing for 2022. That's my, my new one and dance. Um, and, and a lot of, a lot of things, it becomes a snowball where it's like you, you get, you can't stop because you become addicted to being interested in your own life as we started with. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a beautiful note. I think to end on, I mean, I could, I feel like I could sit here and pick at your brain for the next five hours, Eve. This has been really interesting. And I really appreciate what you kind of touched on a moment ago, which, I mean, we're all coming into this as like, you know, cis women and heterosexual relationships. But the the idea that heteronormative structures still deeply affect pe- people of all gender identities 
childless or, you know, that, that is really, um, that is kind of a new way of thinking for me. I appreciated that. Well, I appreciate you. And I think again, why do I love your, your show? I think you have the elements of unicorn space, right? You have a curiosity about a topic. When you interview a guest, you have connection between Dory and Kate um, and then you have completion. I think that that's the last thing I want to say. And again, it, back to dark to light, as my friend Amanda says, um, well, the good news about, you know, doing anything and completing anything is that you don't, you stop living in a graveyard of unfulfilled dreams. Mm. And um, I think so much of our past, I think is haunted, at least for me, there's a haunted past of graveyard of unfulfilled dreams of generations that came before me Ugh. all the way up to my grandmother who wanted to go to college, but her older sister, they only had money for one, for one girl to go to teacher uh, to Brooklyn college. Um, and so how amazing is it that we can stop that legacy of unfulfilled dreams by actually believing that we can complete something that doesn't have to be perfect. And so again, the idea of you uploading this podcast, um, editing it, putting it out into the world, even in a place where maybe you said, okay, I wish I'd asked different questions or we went in a different direction. It is, it's, it's important. And so again, um, in, in your case study, you, you are identifying those three elements that we're talking about today for, for your listeners. Oh my gosh, I could have, I could talk for hours about letting go of perfectionism. So. Yes, yes. Thank well, you. there's a whole chapter in yeah, that. There there's a whole chapter. Yeah, in that. your book is fantastic. And there's some great, yes, there's some yeah. great um, tips uh, for, for it's always an issue and it's always going to be um, an albatross, but we, you know, we're, we, we get, we'll get through it together. We'll all get through it together. Um, well, thank you, Eve. This was so wonderful to talk to you. Can you just remind everyone the title of your new book and when it is available for purchase? Yes. It's called Find Your Unicorn Space. It's available for purchase December 28th. It was supposed to be for New Year, New You, but I actually think it should be New Year, Same You. I wanted to see who you are. Um, we don't need new, new us. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to, a return, a return to the values that, that sit inside. Um, and this book hopefully is a, a plan. It's a how-to guide to guide you back there if you haven't been there in a while, or if you have to, con- to encourage you to continue on your journey. Um, and we, I'm always at Fair Play Life. You can find me there or um, at Instagram, on the web. A website is fairplaylife.com or at Eve Rodsky on Instagram or Twitter, anywhere. I'm all over um, and very accessible for any questions. Great. Thanks, Eve. Well, thanks again. Thank you. Okay, so Dory, you know, we had a break off from the podcast. So the last time we discussed setting intentions was a couple weeks ago, at least now. And you had just listed survival. How did it go? I have I personally feel like you succeeded here, but I'm curious what you think about your own life. Um, I mean, I think definitely in relation to our trip in July, I definitely, I definitely survived more than that. You know, one thing that is just one of those, like it is what it is things about traveling with toddlers is like, especially on a long, like cross country flight with a time change is like, 
their their sleep schedule is just going to be fucked up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so that is just like a, a thing that I just, you know, you just have to kind of accept, I guess. Like our flight there was at 6.30 in the morning. So we had to get up at like four, which Oof. meant like Henry didn't have a full night's sleep. He didn't nap. And so, you know, the, that's that's rough on a two and a half year old body. So given that, I think it was, you know, I think it was okay. Um, Good. Yeah. So that is what happened last week. So this week... Um, I am going to refocus on some writing stuff. Mm. I mean, I'm a Which big fan. Of I this know, intention. you know, I, you know that drill. <laughs> Every day of my life is <laughs> refocusing on writing. Yep. 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 So God. I do know that drill, but I admire it. Kudos yeah. to you. Thank well, you so much. I had focused on positive self thought. I don't know. Did I accomplish it? This is going to be an ongoing intention for my entire life. Okay. <laughs> but actually, you know what? Having that tarot reading that I talked about in our last in our last mini episode, it, that actually really kind of helped. That was like mm. the whole focus of that reading. Now god, mm. now that I'm saying this, I'm realizing like wow, that really was connected. So that was an interesting kind of moment for me, the the kind of conversation I had with the the tarot reader. Okay. Well, this week, I started this intention early, but this week has just been to focus lovingly on my nail biting. Okay. Just observing it, you know, like when it's such an outlet for when I'm stressed as anybody who has anything, you know, if you're a hair puller or whatever, any of these habits or compulsions, mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. there's a trigger for me, it's stress. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm just kind of like observing and thinking about it and putting on my jojoba oil. I love this. Jojoba oil from my research, maybe with a little vitamin E mixed in. I haven't done that part yet, but that truly is like uh, allegedly the best cuticle oil. So just throwing that out there. One thing I learned. Okay. You know, I was sent some cuticle oil by a company called Cutie Oils. Well, what a sweet name. <laughs> I should give you Cutie some. oils? Yeah. I mean, I love that, but I'm like currently drowning in okay. All right. cuticle Fair. oils. But I will, I'll take it because you know I can never say no to a product. Oh, look at these. Shop the cuties. I just headed yeah. over to their website. No, it's, it's, it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Did we mention these are cute products? Yes. Cutie oils. Um, okay. Yeah, cutie cute. oils. Yeah. All right. Well, Kate, this has been a delight. Ugh, always. What a treat. What a treat. Um, and we should also let everyone know that Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dory Shafrier, and Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Sam Reed is our project manager and our network partners, ACAST, and we will all talk to you very soon. 